Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. It's time to get intimate with Checkpoint Intimates. Yes, welcome back. You are here with Checkpoint on Joy, broadcasting nationwide across the community radio network. My name is Elliot, and right now I am joined by a very, very special guest. Goes by the name of Graham Struthers, head of publishing at Devolver Digital. Oh, thank you for having me. Very uh, pleased to be here. Yeah, well, we're here at PAX Australia. It's happening right now. We're here on day Saturday, which is typically the busiest day of PAX. It is very busy. Has your uh, PAX been all right, just in general, so Great, far? No, it's been fantastic. Yeah. It's been, honestly, it's been really nice to come back because we've all suffered from these two years of the pandemic. So just to get back here, it's been great. Yeah, it is a bit of, like, normality again. I don't know that PAX has fully recovered yet. I don't know if you've got that vibe as, like, a, an exhibitor. But, like, it, there's no, like, massive PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo kind of style things happening. Um, I, you know, I didn't even think about that. Um, where it probably they, doesn't bother you. It's where not. They, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, I, I, I've got vague memories, but then I'm very old, therefore my memory's suspect. Microsoft were usually here, right? All three have been here. Yeah, yeah. We've had, I mean, they've been massive. Like Bethesda, for instance, are doing their own thing this year in a separate area. Um, Yeah, PAX this year has, it's been okay because it's more indie focused, which I like, and I'm sure you like too as an indie publishing label. Yes. Um, But it's a bit of a different vibe. But um, yeah, you're rocking here with a couple of games on show. Do you want to introduce our listeners to what Devolver Digital have at PAX? Yeah, we've, we've got games that are quite literal these days. We've got one called Anger Foot, where you're playing a game with a very angry foot. <laughs> and we've got one called Gumbrella, where you're playing a game with an umbrella that's also a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like so. a bit of a, a bit of a literal title. Yeah. You know exactly what you're getting into. <laughs> so, <laughs> if we were to describe these games a bit, I was... Um, I was having a cheeky look at Angerfoot, um, yeah. and we saw that was announced, what was it, E3, Euro and E3 kind of yes. thing recently, um, mid-year, and <laughs> it's great. It, you have a foot, you're kicking down doors, you're kicking enemies, it's a shooter, but you're also, at one point I saw a face being stroked by a foot. The foot has a lot of autonomy and personality in this game. <laughs> what makes the foot so angry? I don't actually know. I mean, I believe that one of the things that can make the foot very angry is if you steal a sneaker. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but it's uh, made by Free Lives, you know, the studio behind Brohorse, uh, Broforce, um, Gorn, uh, Cricket Through the Ages, Genital Jousting, uh-huh. and Terra Nil. So they're a pretty, they're a very interesting studio. The kind of games they come up with, they never seem like there's any real connection between one game and the other. They feel like a developer that will never have a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> There's like too many ideas rattling around. Damn it. Um, <laughs> and, um, I mean, they game jam furiously. They spend a lot of time playing around with ideas before they settle on any one thing. And with Angerfoot, I mean, again, when Andrew, the producer back in London, told me about it, I was like, really could not get my head around it until you get to play it. And then you're like, oh, it all makes perfect sense. Yeah. And Gumbrella, tell us a bit more about that one. Uh, it's a small team. We worked with them before. 
uh, with Gato Roboto. So, yeah, I mean, their games, for me, the very evocative of 16-bit, kind of like Super Nintendo vibe. And um, Gumbrella, you are basically, you are a man on a mission. Your umbrella is also a gun. The umbrella can protect you, use it to fly around the levels and shoot people. And um, the plot, I'm not sure on what the actual plot is. I think that's enough of a plot, though. I mean, not every game needs a, an intricate plot. Sometimes yeah. my gun is an umbrella is enough. Yeah. You know, I've seen action movies. They don't have to be logical. <laughs> so I guess my first real big opening question here has to be, so these are the games, or a couple of the games, currently in the works, in the pipelines, being published by Devolver. How do you go about finding developers who want to work with you? Do they come to you? Do, do you go to them? Is there a type of game that is like just a Devolver digital branded thing? It's like, yes, this has us written all over it. Um... Most many of the developers we're working with right now, we've been working with for many years, right? You know, so we've we've known each other, we've got to know each other well. And in the case of Free Lives, I mean, we're always really happy for any any of their game ideas to come to us. Um, so we have four or five devs that we've been working with like them. Then we have teams, for example, Massive Monster, who pitched us Call of the Lamb three three years ago. I feel that like was three years ago. Um, and in, in their case, I mean, they're a great example of a really good pitch. Really, They really thought through what they wanted from their publisher. Uh, they had a good idea of what we were good at, and they thought the two things matched, right? So I guess with Gungeon, we'd had proven with Dodge Roll, you know, the sort of size of audience you can have. So I think they're a great example of a team that just thought, this is a game we want to make, and this is the publisher we think we'd like, we'd like to work with. And the two things came together really quickly off the back of that. And then the third is us looking. You know, we're, when we come to events like PAX Australia, we're also looking, seeing what's happening here. And again, you know, you know like, well, actually, PAX is a good example. You know, we started coming here in 2018. And we've got four productions and development that are Australian teams so that's the power of these events you start meeting developers seeing and, and being introduced you know, we, we work with Team Wibby first they introduce us to some other people so pretty quickly you get to know the scene so yeah that's so cool and obviously you, there's a level of bias in, in my influences as well as an Australian I, I can see the talent that Australian game developers yeah. have and we obviously have a a pretty good indie scene here because there aren't many AAA studios, so it kind of matches up over the Devolver ethos as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess congratulations on the success of Cult of the Lamb. It's, it's so cool when something big like that takes off. Um, in fact, two days ago from the time of recording, I was at the Australian Game Developer Awards watching that team mop up basically oh, every yeah. award. <laughs> so, like... It must feel pretty good when something you're essentially taking a gamble on is a studio you've never worked with in the past, and they they pump out something incredible. Now, obviously, Devolver has influence on on that and is helping with funding as well. But um, it must feel pretty good when something like that pays off. Oh, it's it's awesome. I mean, you know, the, every game you every game you work on, you hope is going to work out for the developer because in the end, um, they're putting in many cases multiple years of their lives into this. Even before they started working on it, they probably put a lot of time in to noodling and designing. 
So when a game comes out, that's the validation that you had a good idea, right? Um, obviously, not every game blows up the way Call of the Lamb does. Very few, but yeah, it's 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 always great to see the teams being recognised by their peers, but more importantly by fans, because that means people are buying the game, right? Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think there's been a lot of love for Call of the Lamb here in Australia and worldwide, obviously. Uh, massive success. I did see online a stat that I guess I wanted to fact-check with you if you're the right person to do that. I heard that it was, like, Devolver's second biggest launch after Fall Guys. I don't know how accurate that is. People um, make things up on the internet. I don't no, know if you that, know that. that. That sounds plausible because I'm thinking we had... Uh, I mean, obviously Fall Guys was another another level um, but it would be it'd be a very close run thing with, between Call of the Lamb uh, Enter the Gungeon and there's a game we did a few years back called Scum which was early access and it blew up pretty quickly so it's, it's certainly in there mm. for sure yeah awesome and I want to circle back a bit too obviously you mentioned that here at PAX you're doing there's like a bit of scouting going on or whatever you get to see the awesome talent that is here in Australia now there's no way you can tell us whether or not you partnered up with anybody it's probably too early to say because those conversations will be just beginning but have you seen cool stuff like are there things you're really excited about any games that you're really excited about that's here um you know we've JR's been around looking at stuff I've been around looking at stuff tomorrow afternoon we get to go and together to go and see you know together because I've been doing press interviews he's been doing a lot of stuff with Sony so tomorrow afternoon we get to go and show each other what we think is interesting oh that's cool so it's a bit of a collaboration like if you both say the same game it's like <laughs> I'll be interested to see yeah but it, it, it Devolver's always been like from that perspective whenever we are looking at things we all have to feel that that's interesting because we never want to be in a situation where I would push for us to sign a game and maybe someone else is like oh I don't see it so we've always tried to get to a point where we all agree so it seems to work yeah and can I ask as well because obviously you're an international um, publishing label you're not based here in Australia Um, we love it when you work with Australians and we love it that you come down for PAX Australia Uh, was there any consideration of not doing so because it feels like a lot of the big players didn't come down for PAX Australia you know we already mentioned that was there there was no risk because we've been no, in and out of lockdowns. Like, I, mean, I, think, I think when you're a big corporation, I'm sure that the rules and regulations that you have to figure out for people at events on a global basis probably mean that they're more conservative. Uh, I don't mean to... That's not a negative. It's just, you know... Um, for us, as soon as we could get back to events, we were always going to come back to events. Um, it's been the lifeblood of our company. Uh, it's where we meet... Like I say, you know, it's, we've met developers through doing events. We meet the media through doing events, but we also get to watch the fans playing games. And before games come out, that sometimes is your best bit of feedback you're going to get. You know, if if people are playing the demo and after five minutes they're not getting anywhere, or they put the controllers down, or even just watching how they play the levels, um, it helps you understand the game. So it's a really good environment for small developers and small publishers probably more so than if you're AAA I think they're on a much more defined course with their content so we love shows um, so yeah as soon as we could get here you know, we're always going to come yeah brilliant and you know obviously there's a lot of love for Devolver games across the history of Devolver uh, probably the first 
big one that blew up was Hotline Miami. I don't know how true that is, but at least in my own recollection of knowing the brand name Devolver Digital. Um, but since then, you've kind of really grown... I mean, you've obviously really grown massive, but you've grown as this reputation as well. You're almost like the, <laughs> the bad boys of publishing. I know that's such a lame thing to say, but come on, there's there's an air well, of truth to I it. I think we're the good, the good people... Oh, you're the good people, uh, but you know, there's well, edge. I think we've always taken, I mean, we, we've always been very careful about this. So, we don't ever want to take the light away from the game developer. It's very important that Massive Monster or the developer to get all the recognition for Call of the Lamb, and that our name is somewhere in the back of that conversation, never at the front of it. So, the actual way we look at the games is it's the developer and the game. We're almost like, shouldn't be part of that conversation. When it comes to ourselves as the publisher, um, Nigel's take on that was to, to really kind of like softly poke the industry, um, like an affectionate punch, if you will. So the, the, the E3 press conferences were initially our little kind of like take on what it's like to do a press conference where it's all to you know, you've got people presenting the games that may not actually ever play those games you've got people who have got a very corporate message they've got to distill so we just kind of shone the light on that and it blew up we didn't expect it to blow up the way it did so that was a surprise a nice surprise um, kind of taking on a life of its own and then most of the other things Devolver does is to kind of take the piss out of itself let's not take ourselves seriously um, and I think we've that's, the, that's how I see it. Is we're not trying to, you know, stick our elbows out. We're more just kind of like, hey, we're, we make video games. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And it should look that way, we think. Do you think, so, on this topic of kind of like having Devolver as a brand, and I understand they're not, they, they should be behind the developer, supporting the developer, not taking the limelight. But there's obviously like... Um, when people think of a Devolver published game, there's almost a bit of an image that conjures up, kind of, like, I, I wouldn't, like, if I think of Annapurna as a developer, I'm thinking very narrative, wholesome. When I think of Devolver Digital, I'm thinking more gameplay-centric, uh, not afraid to be more edgy or gruesome in some ways, or, I don't know, like, is it... Is it you picking games that fit that mold, or is it developers thinking you fit a mold and pitching games that fit that? It might be all of those things, but I find it interesting because we've you, know, you mentioned Hotline Miami and and you, know, you talk about Enter the Gungeon as well, but we've also been involved in games like Talos Principle, mm. uh, Red Strings Club, um, Terra Nils, another game that's that's relatively soon. Um, so I think we've got there's a, there's a broad spectrum of games yeah it's not like anything's off limits yeah and, and you know I get it when Hotline came out that was a, it was a moment not just in the context of us but it was a moment in the industry where indie games suddenly blew up Hotline was one of four or five games that really caught mm. a lot of attention and also Hotline I think it was very easy to understand um, so it, you know we got attached to that and that was great for us, you know, it gave us a good reputation. But perhaps, you know, had that had the game that blew up been Talos Principle, mm. maybe our reputation would be slightly different. 
That's such an interesting take of like an alternate dimension of yeah. what Devolver could look like. Could look like <laughs> cerebral, you know, puzzle solving. Um, but it is interesting because we see ourselves as like having a very broad range. But it does come up frequently that you know we're seen to be edgy. Is it an annoying question? Because no, I... no, I like it's it's because I think what I like is that things can mean different things to different people. Uh-huh. And I like the fact that Devolver's never been so defined that it means this one thing. It could, you know, it, it could be whatever you came into it. If you, if you, the first game you bought was, you know, Deconstruct's uh, Red Strings Club, your perspective might be slightly different than if it had been Gungeon or Hotline or, or Shadow Warrior. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, cool stuff. Um, but, you know, Devolver obviously also does some really good things that benefit the developer you know I, I understand that you know I interviewed you three years ago um, and it was during that interview that I discovered that you know the developers own their own IPs and you know it just feels like um, there's a generosity there or a, uh, a respect between the relationship that not everybody offers and so it's the thing is like I mean is it <laughs> to us it's a it's vital that the people that create things own the things they create um, not only because you know you, you you could argue that's also a business strategy, right? You, you know, which means that maybe that means we're more interesting to developers. But I'm pretty old. I've been around video games a long time, and I know a lot of people who who made video games back in the '90s, really good video games, that never made any money, and 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 lost their rights at the same time. So those IPs still exist. Some of them are even coming back, and the original creators are like, well, they never get anything. When you move into the digital space, you're in a situation where a game like Hotline Miami, it's, it's not inconceivable that could be still being sold on Steam or a version of Steam in another 10 years, another 15 years, still generating royalties back to the developer. If they lose ownership of their IP, then those moments start to go away so it's it's how do you protect the ecosystem of creativity is you've got to have fair business practices and we should call out the bullshit ones because it's, it's always been an unfair relationship between I've got the money you've got the idea but when you bring the two things together I get to own your idea as well I mean that is that's that's not fair and it brings up that whole conversation of video game preservation, right? Because we have seen certain IPs absolutely lost into the ether because, you know, either whoever was the IP holder is no longer existing or they're just not willing to fund it. Um, you know, there's so many ways that there could be fans of this of this franchise so keen. There could be the developer of it so keen. Every piece is perfectly aligned except for the fact that while the person who gets to call the shots is not willing to call the shots. And uh, yeah. and it's at that point where it almost feels like everybody loses. <laughs> I agree. So, yeah, I think, you know, for, from our perspective, the the ownership of the music, the ownership of the, the game should be with the people that created it. And we make enough money doing things this way. So it seems to me like you can be a successful publisher and you don't have to be a dickhead. What a great catchphrase. <laughs> That'll be a soundbite. Um, so, obviously, 
you know, if we take this back to the games, we saw Gumbrella, we saw Angerfoot, currently available at PAX Australia. They're on, uh, right now they're part of the Steam Next Fest, so you can grab them. Uh, I'm not sure how long they'll be up there. Uh, I would imagine at least another week. But yeah, you can get them on Steam Next Fest. Yeah, have a look, and if the demo's not there, at least you can wishlist it. Follow along with the developer, yeah. see what's up. But there must be other Devolver Digital games on the horizon too. Is there anything you wanted to talk about, give a shout-out to, anything you're no, really no, keen I, on? I never want to do that because I'll get in trouble with marketing for saying something Oh, I okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, we've got Terra Nil, which is um, coming in early part of next year, which I'm very excited about. It's just like reverse city builder where you're actually trying to to re, uh, re, reintroduce uh, wildlife and uh, plants to the world that we've destroyed. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really so, cool. Yeah. All right. Have a look out for Terra Nil alongside uh, Gunfoot. Not Gunfoot. Angerfoot. <laughs> well, Gunfoot <laughs> is a sequel to Angerfoot. Yeah, well, I mixed that up. I was going to say Gunfoot and Angerbrella. Ang- angry Umbrella. <laughs> oh, there's an idea there. That's an English game, right? <laughs> there's some English guy in a bowler hat. It's like... <laughs> Graham Struthers, Head of Publishing at Devolver Digital. Thank you so much for taking some time out of what I'm sure is a very busy day. See you next year, not in another three years, right? No more pandemics. Yes, please. Let's hope this continues and we can... This can become an annual tradition. Yeah, I hope so. That's great. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for chatting with us and sharing with our audience all about your kind of publishing label and obviously the games under it. Thank you. You've been listening to Checkpoint Intimates. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.